Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Thursday, March 4th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. An opportunity tonight for the Philadelphia Flyers to right the ship. Lose one, get right back in the winning lane, right back at it against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The middle game of a three-game set, all three games in Pittsburgh And that starts tonight at 7 o'clock. Flyers and Pens. It's always a good day when these two teams are facing off against each other. And when you can put a 5-2 loss in Game 1 of this three-game set in the rearview mirror. So right back at it. That's going to be kind of the theme this entire calendar month of March. Right back at it. Reflect on a game the day before. Right back at it the next day. Or two days in a row, as will be the case on Saturday afternoon against the Penguins. And then Sunday, back home with fans against the Caps. Now for a lot of breakdown of players, some systems, some special teams, and much more. He joins us from HockeyBuzz.com, NHL.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. You read his work there. And it's Bill Meltzer, and he joins us on Flyers Daily. Billy, how are you? I'm doing great, Jason. Um, you know, like <laughs> looking forward to see how the Flyers bounce back after, uh, you know, pretty disappointing at least second period last game. You know, the game actually seemed pretty well under control at one point. Uh, I like the first period, score first, and you know, and then, and then it uh, kind of the, the wheels fell off a little bit, at least in terms of defensive breakdown. So, you know, that, that's a good test for a team and see if they get back on the horse here. Bill, let me ask you a question. Um, letting one guy get behind your defense to be all alone by your goaltender is one thing, but two guys is a little, um, let's just say, uh, extreme. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had you had uh, both D and a forward fronting two uh, two Penguins, you know, and uh, you know, I mean, Carter Hart really had no chance there. Once it gets, you know, once the puck gets past your D, you know, that uh, I, I don't I don't know how that happens. I mean, it's just not not it's, it's lack of awareness. Yeah, exactly. It's a mental thing, right? It's a mental mistake. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, you know, like if, if you look at the turnover the ghost had on the first one that's a physical mistake and uh you know it's an ill-advised pass as soon as you know as soon as he released it he wished he had it on a string because he you know he could see he could see that uh captain was in the lane i mean ghost really tried to get back on the play it's too late at that point because captain can really fly but i mean that that's a physical mistake and you can live with those those are going to happen you know from time to time it's the but it's the mental mistakes the you know the the lack of the lack of awareness of where the dangerous guy is on a play. Those, those are the plays that just really can't happen. Yeah, and you're right. You know when that player, and that's why those passes, you know, high across the blue line in the offensive zone are dangerous because the guy intercepting that is going the other way with momentum. You're standing still. You're not going to catch many guys in the NHL when that's the case. And certainly they didn't catch Kapanen who really put a nice move on Carter Hart with the fake shot and then opened him up. Um, But, Bill, let's evaluate a few things real quick. And I want to start with the power play because, obviously, it went 0 for 5 in the game Tuesday against the Pens. And, you know, the first power play, I think, is some really good looks. Um, But I want to attack this power play and first ask this question. Why isn't it converting? I mean, you know, uh, in a lot of cases, it's, it's getting the entries, getting set up. You know, as you said, in the first one, the first one, they did everything but score in that one. And then you're going to look, you know, you have to live with that. That's going to happen sometimes. Yep. Um, you know, the other times, a lot of times, too, as they, they would get entries, they were making some really soft passes. You know, you, you got you to you have a little, you know, that's have a little zip on them. Um, otherwise, they're going to get picked off. They're going to get cleared. You know, I mean, they a lot of times the Flyers were, were their own worst enemies. Just just not being crisp. Talking, you know, 
Yeah, that's not being crisp, not being sharp, you know? And um, other times, just, just coming out of the ice, sometimes coming down the ice, it, it looks like, uh, you know, you, you, have to, you have to have a plan. If there's not an entry there, you know, you got to get it in deep and, and generate a little speed coming in to get your, get your F1, your first four checker in to, you know, pressure the puck, create a turnover. I mean, you're on a man advantage, so you have them outnumbered. Um, you know, and, and swarm the puck, create a turnover. I mean, it's, it's nothing, you know, it's nothing fancy. And then other times too, other times too, you know, the fires sometimes are guilty of overpassing. Um, and, and I actually did like in, in the last game that, that Nolan Patrick, I think, had a little bit more of a shooting mentality, which is something he really needs. Yeah. There was one, I thought maybe his best scoring chance of the game was when he passed up. He had, a, he had the puck at the, the bottom of the circle, and he was thinking drop pass all the way. And he should have been, th- I, to me, he should have been thinking shoot there. Yeah, you know? Barry. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that it's, it, it's, all, it's all the little details, but, I mean, they, they add up. And right now, right now there's a lot of, not a lot of confidence. I mean, there's, uh, you know, they're really, you know, who wants the puck on their stick? Who wants to be the guy to make the play? And, uh, you know, and some of it, too, is that, uh, you know, they're, they're moving some personnel around um you know do you have uh, you know they they've um you know, like they had Voracek on the left side and i know Voracek really likes playing the right but i mean sometimes they do that because that way it's easier to play the puck around the wall and, and set something up from there so they're they're trying some different things but right now right now clearly nothing is clicking because they're in a they're in a pretty big drought and, and in this game particularly you know if, if the flyers had the back-to-back power plays early in the first period and pretty much back-to-back power plays early in the third. If you get a goal in, in either situation, I think you're looking at a different hockey. Totally you know? agree. And, uh, and the momentum yeah, that comes with it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And sometimes, sometimes if you, particularly if you get a couple of early ones and you don't score on those, they, they can really turn turn the momentum the other way. And that's really, you know, that that's part of the story of the game to me, along with some of the defensive breakdowns. Yeah, I look at it, too, and I go, you know, that's the 29th-ranked PK that they faced in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It wasn't like you were facing one of the great PKs of all time and, you know, some of the great penalty killers. Joe Neuendijk was out there or something, <laughs> you know, that, and, and, and they just couldn't get anything done against that team. Bill, they have the scoring, though. I mean, they're fifth in the NHL in scoring. Uh, is it an issue that they need a sniper? Because I'm still getting the cries – for a Patrick Line type sniper, even though he's not available. No, uh, you know uh, you got you got to look at what's being created, and um, you know I don't I don't I don't think that it's it's a question of not having a guy who can score from you know twenty five thirty feet. You know I I, I think it, I, I think in just in general they weren't creating they're not creating enough. Yeah. You know, and um, so you know if you could look at if you could look at most of the power plays, you know, in, in, in the last game, particularly, you know, would there have been a situation where, where line, a, you know, let's say his line, a would have gotten the puck in a range where he would have been likely to score. Yeah. You know, he, he has, his, you know, he has his office like Ovechkin has, or, you know, other, other top goal scorers have, I mean, you gotta get, you gotta get him the puck. And I, I didn't really like, you know, I didn't really like the whole creating side. So I don't, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a sniper issue. Plus the fact that, you know, I mean, um, you know, the, if you look at how hot James Van Riemsdyk has been on tips and those kind of things, it, it's been I mean, that's how a lot of power play goals get scored anyway. You get pucks to the net, you create some some chaos down low, some scrambles, and uh, you know the the puck goes to someone in in the slot if, if it's not tipped, and that's really you know that's how goals tend to be scored in the NHL. It, it, you know, to have a sniper is, is is a great luxury, 
but I don't I don't look at the power play going okay this is this is especially what they're missing right now. Yeah, you parcel out your minutes in practice with such little practice time too. Imagine yeah. they're going to have to carve some out for the power play uh, to, to put those philosophies in and then see if they're, they're, they're something that they can execute and uh, be, you know, be a dangerous team on the power play and not have it hamper your ability to win a game like he did perhaps on Tuesday night. Bill, is Ivan Provorov, um, you know, the right guy to, to be the high point man on that power play? I don't know that he has the puck skills that are are proper for that. He's a really good player, but I don't know if that's the right the best use for him in that role. Yeah, I mean he, you know, he he scores a share of goals. Um, you know, I I think I think in a you know, I, I think a pro role is a guy would be fine on PP2. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, truthfully, the one guy, you know, and, and he said he's had a variety of other issues, but this is not one of his issues. I think the guy who's been the, the best at finding an open man or getting pucks on the net. Yep. So, you know, I mean, if, if you want to put a guy in, in, in that particular role, I mean, that, that would be his spot, but I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta look at the whole game too. And, and yeah. you, you know, I mean, with Provorov more than the power play, I, I thought that, uh, you know, I guess a lot of the heat fell on, on ghost last game and, and for good reason, ghost had a really rough game. It's sort of Provorov. Provorov had a, a one of the roughest games I've seen him have all season. You know, he had he had uh, uh, he was he was part of the coverage mix-ups with the you know with the, we we're talking about two guys in front of the net. He had a he had a giveaway to to Malkin of all guys. Oh, you know, yeah. that, you know, Carter race to keep it a one-goal game. I mean, that just it was it was not Ivan Provorov's night. But in terms of the power play side of it, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's something they can look at maybe changing that up a little bit. Bill, he um, the loss of Niskanen um, is very pronounced, and it's pronounced on Provorov. Um, he's a top pairing defenseman, but is he a true number one at this point in his career? It's you know it's hard to say. You know, I it, it, you know it, it all depends on where you set the bar. You know, I'm I, I was commenting on this on on Twitter. If you're setting the bar at Chris Pronger or you know Mark Howie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a you know Nicholas Lidstrom. I mean, that's an awfully high bar to set. For for most teams, Provorov, you know, if it's a one A one B kind of thing, I mean that that's fine. He's you know, but I mean, Prov, we you know we've seen Provorov play big minutes and you know and and play against really top notch opposition, all that too. I mean, just just his ability to play off situations and the number of minutes he plays. I mean, to me, you know, it's uh, you know, we usually have borderline number borderline number one defenseman. That's still pretty damn good. So. You know, I, 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 but no, I mean, he's not, uh, you know, he's not your, your Norris trophy candidate, number one defenseman, but, but he's, he's solid. Yeah. And I think there's a continuity thing there too, playing with the same guy all of last year and Matt Niskanen mm-hmm. and playing with a variety of partners. You know, you don't have time to think in the NHL and when you're playing with different guys, maybe they set up in different spots, you know, when you're getting pressure down below your goal line and you got to look when, you know, instinctually, you know, Matt Niskanen was right there and you could throw the puck to the spot and you knew for come hell or high water, he was going to be in that spot because you had that familiarity. Uh, let's talk about Myers, speaking of D, because we know that he's a freak raw talent. I mean, he's an athlete. Uh, sometimes his thinking of the game maybe gets him in trouble, wanders a bit, and the details hurt of his effectiveness. But is this just a maturation issue for more consistency out of a player like Phil? Well, I, yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, and sometimes, you know, sometimes when a when a guy plays his way into a rough spell, you know, a young defenseman, you can you can see the wheels turning in his head. And right now, 
But you can absolutely see that. You know, in the uh, in the game against the the Rangers before he was scratched, uh, you know, I I mean, I, I thought that Kreider was very comfortable around the Flyers' net, and it just so happened yeah. that the closest defenseman on some of those plays was, was Phil Myers. I would have liked to have seen you know Phil deposit him under the seat of his pants once or twice. Yeah, more engagement with the yeah. uh, opposition yeah. per se, or, or tie up the stick or something. You know, it, it uh, you know, I, that's why I didn't have a huge problem with him sitting one game. I, I think when there's a there's a compete level that you expect and when it falls a little bit south of that, that's uh, that's when you sit a guy. And typically that's not how, how I think of Phil Myers. I, but I, I think he's you know, I think he's a little uncertain, a little hesitant and a little bit, um, you know, a little bit overthinking the game right now. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, listen, you know, they're when we talk about when we talk about players with you know like with just just reading plays and and thinking the game in hockey sense you know there's a obviously anyone in the nhl is going to be you know pretty good pretty good at those things it's what separates the elite guys you know from the from the the next group down and i I think i think with phil there still is a, a maturation process with him just sometimes in terms of not trying to do too much sometimes phil will you know try to not, not stay within, you know, not stay within uh, a discipline game sometimes. And other times, you know, other times I, I'd like to see Phil be a little bit more proactive. So it, it, it's all that, it's all that give and take that you, you have with young defense. And sometimes, sometimes even now you see it a little bit with Travis Sanheim on occasion too. Yeah. It, it's uh, you know, it's, it's not easy. Sometimes when you, you get into those funks to, to play your way out of it. I mean, that's, you know, that that's um, a tough thing a lot of times for defensemen and some defensemen, you know, work, work on through it. And they, they hit the next level in their game and other guys, you know, other guys are perpetually, I guess, inconsistent. You know, um, if you remember, if you remember back in the nineties, uh, the Flyers had Carl Dykhouse mm-hmm. and, and Carl Dykhouse was physically as talented as any defenseman I've ever seen. I mean, he would, he could fly, he was big, he was strong and he could play at a really high level. Sometimes even in the playoffs, he had playoff games where he dominated. And then when the, the first mistake or two would happen, it would snowball on him. And, and it could take a couple of weeks for him to play through it. And he never he never really worked through that. You know, he was he was always inconsistent. So, you know, I mean, and that, that's not a knock on Diker because, again, at times he could play a, at a high level. And I'd like to see the, the young group of, of flyers that are there who are kind of young veterans now in some cases. I would like to see more consistency in their games. Um. You know, it's uh, it's still truthfully a work in progress with with yeah. a lot of these guys, and it's it's just reality. Yeah, and maybe part of that equation to bring that is the acquisition of a, a top four defenseman that is a veteran type, a you know tw- north of twenty eight year old guy that's got a lot of experience in the league. Whether that's you know a guy like Matthias Ekholm, or you know maybe it's David Savard uh, with the Columbus Blue. I, I don't know who it is, but you know that kind of player can can bring a lot to a young decor. Uh, because you know, going forward, this team is going to have to establish continuity with their pairings at some point. You would think. Oh, absolutely, and that's uh, you know we, we've said this several times on, on on this show where the number one thing that uh, Matt Niskanen brought was it was it, he balanced the pairings off. You know, his own poise and stability um, not just helped Provorov, but it also it also helped Sandheim and Myers on the second pair, and it helped you know it. The ability to, you know, the last year the Flyers were able to, to roll out three pairs, one left, one right. I mean, they had a, 
you know, they had, they had a lot of, they had a lot of continuity and, um, you know, now without, without, uh, without Niskanen, you know, a lot of times you're seeing, uh, Justin Braun back, you know, up on the second pairing and, you know, the third pairing is flipped back and forth. And, you know, the, the, the mix of guys that they have of, of many nights they've had, they've had ghost and Gustafson in the same lineup, you know, it's just, it, it's just the, the, the mix to me is a little bit thrown off and it, and it's all, you know, the one, really the one difference has just been disking in and, 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 uh, <laughs> You know, or just getting out rather, and and uh, you know, one one main guy in with Gustafson. But it, to me, to me, the balance is off, and I think it has to be addressed. I think you need another twenty minute a night defenseman. If he's not necessarily a power play guy, it's okay. But I think you know, I think they definitely need that. They need a stabilizing force that that can play can play tough minutes, can kill penalties, you can play him in a one goal game. You know, and uh, takes a little bit of pressure off of off of Myers, a little bit of pressure off of Sanheim, and and balances things off with Provorov. And then, you know, if if uh, Ghost goes to the third pair, or you 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 know mix and match some other things in the, in the bottom third floor. pair, third pair, and a power play specialist. Yeah, which I think which is I think is his yep. ideal. Yep, and, totally agree. Uh, and if that means that Gustafson doesn't have a spot. You know, then maybe he's a guy you move on before the end of the year. But I think I think they need to. I mean, I think they need to rebalance and recalibrate. I do. Yep, absolutely. And maybe Ghost is part of that deal. You never know as well, um, or maybe Gustafson is as well with an expiring contract and a looming expansion draft. So, is it time for Chuck Fletcher to consider? You know, spending some uh, organizational currency. So, based. Let me ask you this, Bill. Based on Chuck's history, a flat cap world, expansion draft looming, and where this team is right now. What is the Bill Meltzer prediction on what Chuck Fletcher does? I think he will, you know, I think he will acquire a defenseman. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think he's going to, you know, pull off a blockbuster, um, you know, move major cap out, move major cap in. Um, if, if they could get a guy, I mean, Eckholm's name always seems to come up just because it's a, it's a cap that they can fit. Um, you know, it, it's something where, you know, I, I guess, I guess, you know, they, they could take a little bit of a gamble on the acquisition cost, but he's not going to go crazy either. You know, I, I see some, of, I see some of these, uh, you know, these blockbuster deals that get thrown out there, you know, at home and, you know, uh, Philip Forsberg for, you know, <laughs> that's and the first round pick. And that's like, he's not doing that. that. That's not, that's, that's unlikely, but I, but if, but would he, you know, would he deal a first round pick to, to um, you know, try to shore up the top end of the blue line. Looking, looking at this division and seeing how much parity there is, you know, I, I think you know, I think he very well might do that. And and I think that you have to, you know, you have to strike while you can because you never you never know from year to year what's going to happen. Yeah, totally. There's a window of opportunity here, and you know, you have to go for it. it is he an would Ekholm be an attractive piece if left unprotected for Seattle with one year left on his deal at 31 years of age? Well, I mean, yes and no, just because you know, I, I mean, Scott Lawton, though, or James Van Riemsdyk, if they were unprotected. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny because everybody coming into this year, oh, well, JVR is unprotected. Yeah, I, I think JVR, uh, you know, in some cases, term is not an attractive thing, although when a team has to get to the floor. You know, it, it's a little bit of different consideration, but, yeah. you know, but I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see the flyers going, you know, I, I think they'll protect the, uh, they'll protect the three D men. 
Yeah. And if, if Ekholm is out there and if you lose him, you lose him. But the problem, the problem with that is just that, you know, you don't want to overtrade and then lose, you know, yeah. you want, if you move a first round pick and he helps you advance in the playoffs, then you lose him. Well, that's some of the cost of, of doing business and try to make a playoff run. But let's say, let's say you get him and you, you know, you go out in the second round again and then you lose him. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that within a certain level, maybe paying a little bit more than, you know, than, than they have been comfortable with in the recent past. You know, I, I think, again, I think that it's, some, it's, it's a direction Chuck might go. And the other thing is you have to consider, you know, this would be a deal that would make the sense to happen sooner rather than later because uh, you don't want to acquire a player with minimal games left and, and that chance to assimilate to a new roster and players around them. You'd rather do that with more runway. Uh, for the team, and certainly in this year, where you're playing against all these teams in your own division for the same real estate of a top four spot. No, no question. And yeah, and also too, and and uh, maybe maybe LeBron who who had it, but he 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 brought up a point that I hadn't really thought about. You know, if you, trading from uh, the Canadian division to any of the teams that are based in the U.S. just because of the quarantine re- requirements. If you're if you're trading at the deadline. Then you're looking at a, a couple of weeks, so you have the player even available to you. Yeah. So you're kind of limited. You know that does limit some of the trading options as to who's going where because you know you need the players asap. I'm like you know so. So if you're going to make moves, I, I do think you know I do think sooner than later. I mean, it, it, we're deadline is funny just because it could be really quiet this year, or because there's so much parity, you might see more moves than you might otherwise suspect. Yeah, especially players with a year left on their deal uh, with this situation. It could be a buyer's market uh, with expiring contracts and uh, the expansion of draft looming. Well, uh, game two tonight in Pittsburgh, Bill. It'll be the Flyers and the Penguins, a chance at redemption and a chance to still come out of this three-game set with uh, taking two out of three from the Pens, but you got to get a win tonight. So we'll see if they're able to do that. Bill, thanks for doing this. Uh, we'll talk soon, and uh, great stuff as always. Everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll talk to you on a redux. We'll recap the Flyers-Penguins game two, all that and more. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's Flyers Daily.